Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is November the 22nd, and our chapter for today is the first chapter of the book of Titus. Now, Titus is a very short book, has less than 50 verses, but it is a power-packed book in that it deals with issues that are without time. They are evergreen. Most of the doctrinal issues that Paul deals with with Titus he has already dealt with in the books of First and Second Timothy. However, he gives a different slant when he comes to the book of Titus and writing to another young protege. You see, Titus was written just shortly after Paul wrote First Timothy. Now, of course, Second Timothy was the last letter that Paul ever wrote. But Titus was a Greek and He was with the Apostle Paul, no doubt, on the island of Crete. And when Paul left, he left Titus in charge, and he gave him very strict orders. Now, Crete is a large island. It's approximately, I would say, 150 to 160 miles long. And I think at its widest point is about 35 miles. I've gone from one end of it to another, and it is a beautiful island. The people who live there had been there for millennium. And when the Apostle Paul came there, a great church was started, but Paul couldn't stay long. And so he left his young son in the faith, Titus, there to make sure that he got things off to a good start. When you open up the first chapter, the Apostle Paul reminds Titus that the basis upon which he is to do everything is the eternal words of God. As a matter of fact, he reminded him in verse 2 that the assurance of eternal life is really in the words of God, not in some kind of experience that one has, not in some kind of lightning bolt or feeling or some kind of emotional experience, but rather our eternal salvation is based upon the promises of God. And that is what he opens up with because if Titus was going to be successful at Crete in doing what needs to be done, he had to have firm conviction that the Bible is indeed the words of God, and that what Paul was telling him was God's mandates to him. So he gives him an appointment to set aside elders, to appoint elders in every city where there was a church, and to follow the qualifications that he had no doubt already talked with Titus about, but now he just gave him a summary of it. Now, when you read chapter 1 in comparison to a more complete letter that was written to Timothy, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, it doesn't seem like there's much here, but he just summed it up. And he said, if a man is going to be an elder, he's got to be blameless. In other words, he's got to have a clean record in the sense of walking before those who are outside of Christ and those who are in the body. 
he cannot be one that people can point fingers at that he has not lived a godly life. He said, for an overseer, in verse 7, for an overseer must be blameless as a steward of God. As understanding, it's not about him. It is about the master that the steward works for. He cannot be consumed with himself. He cannot be self-willed. He cannot be rebellious. He cannot seek to do his own thing because that kind of selfishness will not only ruin a man and a family, it'll ruin a church. He cannot be quick to jump on people. And Paul talked to Timothy quite a bit about this. And you cannot be one who is given to wine. In other words, cannot be a drunkard and someone who's addicted to wine. Not going to be someone who's always fighting, causing an uproar, greedy for money. He's going to have to be a lover of that which is good and hospitable. In other words, he needs to be a person that you would want to be around and that you would want in your home because he would sure want you in his. Needs to be clear-headed. He needs to be righteous, just, holy, set apart, sanctified, self-control, holding fast the faithful word as he's been taught. In other words, he's got to have a teachable spirit. Now, again, Paul talked to Timothy about this, but he's giving it a more summary treatment here. And he said they had to be sound in doctrine and they had to be willing to exhort people. And he needs to be able to, whoever that elder is, that overseer, that shepherd, he has to be able to confront people when they're out of line. He said, you're going to run across this there. And beginning at verse 10 through the end of this short first chapter, Paul says, you're going to have to watch these people at Crete. Now, he was not trying to be unjust and paint with a broad brush, but he was saying that any culture has certain tendencies that the devil will get a hold on. And as I have traveled around the world and worked with different cultures, whether it's in South America, Central America, or whether it is in Europe, or whether it is in Asia or Africa, every particular culture has its own fatal flaws. It has its own sins. And it doesn't matter who you are. The Jewish people, pride, stiff-neckedness. And as a matter of fact, God said they're the most stiff-necked of all people. And he said they were not chosen because they were the best. They were not chosen because they were the smartest. They were chosen because God wanted to magnify his grace. And so there are tendencies in every culture, even God's chosen people, the Jews, that are flaws that have to be pointed out, and you have to recognize that. It's not that every single person in that culture or that race has that particular flaw, but that race or that race or that culture has tendencies toward that. Now, this is so important. I'm not trying to be racist. I'm not trying to, again, cast aspersions. What I'm trying to do is tell you what the Word of God teaches. And as I have pastored in various areas of the country, I have found out in the Southeast, there are certain things that God's people are prone to that they have to learn to overcome or they'll never be what God wants them to be. In the Southwest, same thing is true. In the Midwest, same thing is true. In the Great Northwest, the same thing is true. In California, 
California, which is a world unto itself and a culture unto itself, a nation unto itself. It has its own issues. One of the issues in California is the great disconnect that is there. It seemed like when I was there that everybody I talked to had come there and many times they were fleeing from something. They were coming so that they could be anonymous. They were uh, wanting to come and almost get lost and start a new life. And so they were not prone to wanting to have fellowship and connection. And uh, they were in the neighborhood that I lived in. People didn't want to get together and do a lot of things. Once a year, we had something in our neighborhood cul-de-sac. But other than that, many people did not want to have anything to do with the person next to them. Whereas in the South, there is at least a, a semblance of people that want to get together and have fellowship and town meetings and all of those kinds of things. All I'm saying is every culture and every race has its own weak spots. And Paul said about the Cretans, what their own poets say about them, that Cretans are liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. And Paul said, that's what they say about themselves. And so he said, you've got to understand that they're deceivers. There are people there who are idle. They're insubordinate. They're rebellious. And some parts of the country is just like that. East Tennessee, Western Carolina, Southwest Virginia, Southeast Kentucky, North Georgia. There are similarities in culture. The state lines don't do as much to divide that group. For instance, the people who are in East Tennessee and the mountain people are as different as night and day from the people in West Tennessee. That's neither good nor bad. It's just the way it is. The people in Western North Carolina mountains are totally different than the people on the Outer Banks or the people in the Piedmont. They're different. They look at things different. The people in the mountains are far more independent, less likely to change. I could go on and on because I study this as a way of life because I deal with people as a way of life. And I'm telling you that this is what Paul's trying to say. He's trying to say, Titus, you're going to face some particular obstacles there, and I'm just going to give you a heads up. You need to make sure that you do everything you do based upon the Word of God and that you need to set aside men who are more interested in obeying God than the culture around them. Isn't that a good word for us today? For On The Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.